Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid, sliding its way into your podcast feed to review the Turkish Grand Prix from this weekend. Uh, I'm your host this week, Tom, and I'm joined as always by Chris. Hello. And Stu. Hello. Oh, I sounded a bit... Can I do that again? If you want, say it again. Hello. Oh, no, I don't oh. like that one either. No, but, uh, you've let's, gone, let's you've gone from on. one end of the scale to the other yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Go, well, in, go somewhere right. in the we'll middle. Just... Yeah, I'm overthinking it. Let's just carry on. Okay. Either way, that's all staying <laughs> in. Yeah, I know. Right? That, that's why yeah, I was no. like, let's just let's just gloss over it and carry on. It's too late now. It's become canon. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we returned to Istanbul Park this weekend. Gone, gentlemen. How did you find the return to Istanbul Park? <laughs> Did didn't, didn't really live up to all the hype we've been giving it, did it? <laughs> I mean, it it was interesting, but for reasons I never expected. Let's put it that way. I don't know what yeah. you two think. Yeah, but... that's exactly how. Like, we had loads of people tweeting us over the weekend saying, "Like, you were right. This track's brilliant. Like, what a race, what a weekend." And I, the whole time, I was like, "I mean, yeah, but not for any of the reasons <laughs> yeah. we said it yeah. would be." I find yeah, it hard yeah. to take credit for any of that excitement. <laughs> yeah, I, like I must admit, when when I got to work on Friday, more early on Friday morning, and saw practice, watched practice, and saw everything unfolding i was a bit nervous about this i was a bit nervous about whether it even go ahead never mind yeah um, it was a bit of a farce wasn't it practice yeah well i mean no tire seemed to work did it no dry tire seemed to work at all through practice no luckily they didn't need them but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean yeah luckily it was all redundant anyway but even still um so I guess the story behind it all is the resurfacing, isn't it? That's for for those that didn't follow the weekend thoroughly. Um, like we did. What basically, yeah. Like what basically happened was um, the owners of the circuit decided to resurface it with the revisiting Formula One. Um, but it was done, I believe it was only like two, maybe three weeks before the race, wasn't it? Ten, it was days. Like that, yeah. Ten days. Ten days. Ten days. There. There you go. Oof. So. I mean, this is a very different scenario to other tracks we've visited that have been resurfaced, which normally have at least a month or so to kind of settle and also tend to have other series racing on them before F1 even gets there. This was pretty fresh and had nothing on it until the F1 cars went out on Friday morning. Um, it even got to the point where they were running... <laughs> <laughs> they were running rental cars around, weren't they? Just trying to help. Put yeah, that actually the that really did happen. That was a real so, thing. Yeah. Like it, it looked was, like internet parody, but it was real. Yeah, it was a thing that really happened. Uh, I mean, it it made for some interesting events, as I'm sure we'll get into. But I don't know any any thoughts on that. Do, do we think it maybe took away from it, or do you think it actually added to it? I f I think it took away from it. I think. I really wanted to see the cars, you know, really going for it around this track. It's one of those tracks that's great fun to drive normally. And you could see it was just hellish <laughs> to drive yeah. for the drivers. Like, it just did not look fun at all, which is a real shame because, like, you know, we, we talk a lot, we've spoken a lot about Turn 8 and that being, like, the showstopper corner of the circuit. And because they couldn't go around it at, at maximum attack at any point, really, over the whole weekend then you never really got a true sense of just how mighty that corner is. So that was a bit of a disappointment for me. Yeah. I mean, in a year where 
pretty much everywhere F1 has gone this year, the lap record has been not just beaten, but decimated. And the lap record at Istanbul Park remains Juan Pablo Montoya from 2005, which is a weird thing to say. Um, Standing strong. Yeah. Juan Pab. It's kind of a bit of both, isn't it? Like we were treated to something very different and it was fascinating to watch, but I do kind of feel a little robbed of seeing these cars at maximum attack around that, especially when it sounds like the resurfacing was predominantly done for aesthetic purposes rather than the surface actually needing replacing. I think from from what sort of, um, I think Pirelli kind of hinted at it and I've heard a couple of other people say that the old surface probably would have been fine, but it didn't look in great nick and the organisers probably just wanted it to look better for TV. So if that is the reason, then it's a shame that that's kind of how it transpired. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, on the same merit, I can see why they would want it to look mm-hmm. good because obviously this is a golden ticket to potentially oh, have more races at that circuit. So because yeah. they've been wanting to go, they've been wanting them to to come back to, to you know, been trying to get Turkey back on the calendar. The Turkish organisers for a long time, so. especially with the TBC on next year's calendar as well. Yeah. They? Yeah, um, so yeah. You, you can absolutely see why they wanted it to look absolutely tippy top. And you got to say, you know, the pit building look. I, I mean, I'd not, I'd never really noticed in the past, but whether they've like decorated it or made it look better or, or built a whole new one, I don't know. But the pit building just seemed to look really, really cool to me. This week. yeah, the facilities and stuff still seem like really top notch. Um, yeah. But it was one of the newer circuits back when it was on the calendar, wasn't it? They only had yeah, like seven was. races there <laughs> before yeah. it got taken off. So yeah, yeah. Um, I must Fairly admit modern. there was a point on Friday watching practice where I was thinking we've been treated to another weekend in Turkey and this is guaranteeing it will be the last time F1 goes there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The rest of the weekend, I think maybe redeemed it a little bit. Um, and, you know, it's not a problem that you'd ever have if you did go back there ever again, because obviously the tarmac is going to uh, improve over time. But yeah, a strange one for sure. Yeah, very strange. It was. I think... I think the thing that really highlighted, um, even in the dry, sort of in early on Friday, it really highlighted that the cars weren't able to run at the full potential because of the just pure lack of grip. Was there was a point where Martin Brundle went down to turn eight, the one that we we just love, <laughs> the one that's like four consecutive corners essentially that should be flat out in these cars, and you could see just how much the cars were squirming around and. The drivers having to correct and catch the car, and they couldn't yeah, get the power down. You could yeah. you could hear them lifting like it, that corner. If if you ever saw it like at its full potential, that that clip, especially from down on the ground, like from behind the fences at the gravel trap where that camera was, it really highlighted how difficult that corner was and how how low grip the surface actually yeah. was. Um, mm. I, I mean, I don't know if. There'll be a clip of that out there anywhere for anyone that's not seen it. But if, if you can find it or you can go back and watch the full practice sessions, then I'd recommend it just, just to see that particular thing and see the difference. Yeah. It's, the it's the it's the yee-haw corner of, uh, yeah. Yeah. Of, of of Istanbul Park and it turned into the sort of yee-nah corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yee-nah. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, ye, no, 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 yeah. no, no, Ooh, no, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, like practice was crazy. 
as was Friday morning practice, which led uh, so sorry, sorry, Saturday morning practice that led us into qualifying uh, when we experienced rain, which on a freshly laid surface like this, it <laughs> was already a little grip, led to I mean a crazy qualifying. It session. was fantastic. It, yeah. I love like, qualifying. It put the drivers on on more on edge than I think I've seen them in a wet session yeah. in a long time. Like we all as fans, we all know it's not easy to drive in the wet, but I think with the added issues that they'd already had with the surface, this really highlighted just just how difficult it was for these cars mm. to get power down and, and get grip. Um and I think certain drivers kind of shone through it as well, didn't they? Certain drivers found found form in the weather, at least. It was those sort of conditions, wasn't it, where just like it sort of made me think of Brazil in 2010, was it, where Hulkenberg got pole in a Williams and yeah. all the other drivers were just like, yep, he just kind of scored us today. Like he was, he made the best of those conditions and it kind of had that same feeling. Like obviously, while they were on full wets, um, Verstappen was far and away the fastest, like, there was one point where, like, he was in P one by like twelve seconds or something ludicrous like yeah. that. Like there was a, there was a ridiculous gap at one point. Like they, you could see they were all improving, but the rate he was getting faster just blew everyone else out of the water. Um, yeah, obviously when they switched it into, it just like didn't work for him at all. Um, but yeah, I mean the racing points sort of looked quick all weekend, but for Stroll to pop up and take pole position was kind of incredible wasn't it, it quite was, remarkable it yeah. really was it was a hell of a lap like from a guy who really i mean yes his future is pretty secure but at the same time like after the uh second half of this season he's had a guy that needs some positives and that was a, a pretty big one it was really impressive stuff hmm. yeah i mean both um, racing points did quite well really yeah. didn't they to, to be splitting the red bulls as well because there was a point where it, it looked like it was the potential was there for a Red Bull front row lockout, in my opinion. That, that's where it looked like it was going. It should have um, been right up until that to switch to Inters, basically, wasn't it? And well, that car I mean, just didn't seem to like them as much. There's there's a lot of sort of controversy around the fact that um, they swapped Verstappen. Or, well, this, Verstappen stopped a fast lap yeah. on the wets to swap to the Inters, and I mean, I'm, I haven't seen the times of that lap before he abandoned it to see if it actually would have been a poor lap. Like he was, he was second by about two tenths on Stroll's lap, wasn't he? He was about two tenths off. Uh, so. Yeah, about that. So I don't know. I don't know if the, the lap he was doing on the wets was due to be faster than that or not. But I mean, does that just seem like a strategic mistake from Red Bull? Do you think? I, looking at the way they're improving, I would suspect it probably still wouldn't have been enough. Um, but it does. It's not very often you see purple sectors, and then he's in the pits. Like that just doesn't happen in qualifying, does it? Yeah. Mm. I guess the red flag had also sort of put them um, up against a little bit timing. Well, the red flag was in Q two, wasn't mm. it? It might be, no, I mean, I've been oh, no, Q1. No, Q1. Q1, wasn't it? Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, it was early in Q1. Um, yeah, I mean, Verstappen was like distraught after that. I think he felt like he had chucked away a pole position there. Yeah. There was that weird shot of him sat next to a bin, which is yeah. one of the weirder things <laughs> I've ever seen on a Formula One broadcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think some praise goes the way of 
the alphas getting into yeah. not only getting into Q3, but <laughs> Raikkonen outqualified Bottas, didn't he? If I remember right. Uh, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did by so, um, about half a second. Yeah. So, um, anything to be made of the the Mercs both struggling in those <sighs> conditions at that point? Hmm. I don't um, know if it's a huge surprise. Like cold conditions, especially, tend not to be where they're at their best. Um, I think the difference in qualifying time between Hamilton and Bottas is the difference between an ordinary driver in the rain and a one of the best drivers there's ever been in the rain. Because um, mm. Bottas, it's weird. Like you tend to see drivers from countries with a rally pedigree tend to do well in slippy conditions, but that's never been Bottas, has it? Bottas always seems to have a hard time in the wet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I mean Kimmy's always gone well in yeah. the challenging conditions to a degree. Um I think experience has helped Kimmy out a lot probably there as well. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean Lance Lance quoted kind of being Canadian messing yeah. around on like cold, slippery car parks and stuff as a youth. Um, towards just <laughs> being doing... able to to find the grip in those conditions and keep control of the car in those conditions. So... Doing donuts down in the Tesco's car park in his dad's Maybach. <laughs> that's that's basically what he was doing. We all know it. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, it made for an interesting grid at least, and that's that's the the positive out of it. Yeah, it? definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I really love that qualifying session. It was really yeah. fun. Yeah, it was and... brilliant. It was a, a, super positive like i i really enjoyed it low grip is is low grip for the win <laughs> that's what i yeah. Yeah. And it, and it gave us two days where you went into it having absolutely no idea where anyone was going to finish and that's yeah. that's what we want isn't it ultimately yeah it was like formula one in the 50s <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah no, i mean it was to a degree kind of was yeah because it could have gone anywhere and really, i yeah. mean even even come race day it could have gone anywhere yeah um like, I mean, we were all hoping for rain and we got it. So that's <laughs> that. That's the definite positive. But, I mean, Chris, you kind of helped us by breaking this down into team by team for the race. Yeah, I'm so, like, so much happened this race. I thought it might be a bit easier just to run through team by team and talk about, like, drive by driver, what happened to them. So we'll try to approach it that way because... Mm. It was kind of impossible to keep track of everything that was happening in that race for a while. <laughs> Do you want the honours of going through it since you made the effort that, of the notes? And also, I don't know if either of you would even be able to make sense of my notes. So, yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you take the reins for this part, though. Um, I mean, we have to start with Hamilton. Um, yeah. yeah. Taking his record equaling seventh world, world title by winning a race that I think it's fair to say he didn't really have any business winning that race based yeah. on the whole weekend. He was just never, Mercedes in general never looked there. And I mean, he had a sort of decent start, but he was having brake and tire troubles and just kind of dropped yeah. back. Um, Albon passed him, I think Verstappen passed him on track as well. And like, yeah, it's, it's incredible that he managed to win that race. Um, in fact, it's, at one point, he was over 20 seconds behind the lead, and he ended up with his second biggest winning margin in his entire career. It, it was yeah. second only to the um, 2008 British Grand Prix, where he won by, like, over a minute, which was... In 
in very similar conditions. In very similar conditions, yeah. So, mm. yeah, it was just it was just incredible. It's sort of there was that sort of period where he was stuck behind Vettel for quite a while, um, as he was kind of figuring out how to make the car work for him, which eventually didn't got past. I mean, it was really nice seeing Hamilton and Vettel sort of. They always say Rain is the great leveler, and we actually got to see sort of this era's two greatest drivers having a kind of quite even fight for a short time, which was really, really enjoyable. Yeah. I loved after the race as well. Hamilton said during that period, like half of him was like, oh, this is so frustrating. I need to get past this guy. But the other half was like, oh man, it's really nice to see Vettel like having a good race. Like he deserves this. (laughs) (laughs) Like the respect between them and the fact that Vettel got to be the first one to congratulate him after the race as well was... It just felt right, didn't yeah. it, somehow? It was, there was something really nice about that. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, wow. A uh, lot there. <laughs> um, yeah, where's the start of it? Like, so, yeah, I mean, the achievement is obviously humongous achievement. Like, I don't know about you guys, but did you ever imagine he'd he'd sort of make make seven? Did you think it was possible? Do you think Schumacher's record would be beaten in your lifetime? Like, I, I mean... Pre pre this current era, no, I didn't think that. I thought it'd be a long time before we saw um, the record going, especially because of the fact that, like, since that record, we've had a, a fairly decent mixture of constructors pick up a driver's title, yeah. which obviously make, makes it a little bit more spread mm. out. I mean, I know we had that little period with seven Red Bull working well together, but even then there were a couple of seasons where it was actually pretty close and it went down to the wire. I, I mean, this Mercedes-Hamilton combo has been the thing that's really hit home how like how good of a partnership that's yeah. been. Like that, yeah. that whole team and him. And I think once they'd picked up a couple, maybe the third title between them as a team, obviously Rosberg got one of them, but once they got to that point, you were sort of thinking, right, this... This is a bit of a, a dynasty kind of scenario. This is like a Schumacher at Ferrari yeah. kind of scenario. And that's where it started to hit home. And I thought he's probably going to achieve it because of the the way that the regulations were playing out. Um, but it wasn't until that point. It wasn't until he'd picked up a few already at Mercedes that I started to think he could actually go for this. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, so- that was the first point, really. I think 2015 probably was the the point where I started to think where that, that thought kind of just started to creep in like, Oh, they might be, they might be on to beat Schumacher. Yeah. 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 And, and like, this is, I mean, it sounds obvious, but this is the most impressive of all. Like, yes, the win records, the qualifying records are all very impressive, but at the same time, the guys these days are doing like four, five, six, seven more races per season than they were in sort of the time Schumacher and, Ferrari and everything so those records you know they're still impressive but they do come that little bit easier but when you're talking in terms of absolute championships like every championship is worth exactly the same you know they don't get easier or hard to win and yeah it's it's kind of unbelievable I mean to what you were just saying then Tom this he also broke the record this weekend of the most wins for a driver with a single constructor. This was his 73rd win with Mercedes. And They're just tumbling, aren't they, the records? What, out yeah. of interest, what was that record before? Was that Schumacher at 
I believe it was. Ferrari. Yeah. yeah. I think that's I imagine, right, yeah. I can't imagine it be. In fact, it can't be anyone else, can it? Cause yeah, I can't think of another driver that could be. There isn't enough so, drivers. There ain't a driver with enough wins. <laughs> so since since Schumacher then, who have we had domination or, or team-wise then? I guess we've had Renault who I dethroned mean, Schumacher, wasn't that it? Is, yeah, that was, they were both really close run things though. Yeah, um, I, I think it was pretty close in that era. Like that... That Alonso Renault combination was good for a couple of years, but I mean, it, it's not like they just walked away with it, like what Mercedes and yeah. Lewis has done over the last couple of seasons. So then, so you would have had that, and then there was the there's obviously the rivalry between McLaren and Ferrari that ran before that as well. So McLaren were kind of in the mix, weren't they during that? Yeah, seven... yeah, and then you've got the McLaren Ferrari over the couple of years where you've got. Lewis versus Kimi, and then Lewis versus Massa. That's like 2007-2008. So that's, yeah. that's, again, very, very close. I mean, Braun had a good first half of the year in 2009, but they were eventually yeah. caught pretty quickly once everyone realised what they were doing aero-wise and, and so on. Yeah, then uh, Red Bull. And then you had that little four-year spell of Red Bull. Little four-year spell of Red Bull. I mean, it sounds insignificant it, now, but actually at the time it was like... Yeah, yeah but like, I think... The significant thing for me, though, is during that time at Red Bull, although the Red Bull was always like coming out on top for the majority, or, or not even no, not even the majority. That's the wrong word. Like it was coming out on top the most. The Ferraris, the McLarens, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else in the mix at the time, but definitely the Ferraris and McLarens, and the Williams as well. At a point, were were all sort of in and around there. It wasn't just you didn't rock up to a circuit and go, "This is Red Bull's 100 yeah. percent." It was, if Seb can put this on pole, he's got a good shot of winning it. And that was the key thing. Like He still had to get that car on pole on the day, otherwise he was going to struggle. It wasn't just truly dominant. Like no. Yeah, definitely. Is. I don't know if I'm looking back through, maybe through historically rose-tinted glasses, but yeah, it felt a bit closer, didn't it, back then? Yeah. I think I think I'm right in saying at least two of Vettel's championships went down to if not yeah. the last race, like the last two races. Yeah, yeah. Um, which like the only time we've really had that Mercedes era has been was a couple Rosberg, of years. Rosberg was there, like yeah. close enough to him. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's, it's uh, in the Red Bull era, it was other constructors that were in the mix. It wasn't just the two teammates. Yeah. So th- I mean, not not every definitely... one of the four, but. For most, yeah. This this era, in conclusion, then has definitely felt much more sort of Mercedes domination kind oh, of. Yeah. You know, like no one can really get close. No one can touch. They fit. They they've been kind of untouchable, haven't they, through this whole thing? And they'll probably be untouchable yeah. again next year as well. It's probably going to be eight world titles next year. It feels that way, doesn't it? Um, mm. Which again will be uh, if it, if if it happens, then fair play to them. You know, it's, it's a huge yeah. achievement. And and all that being said like you obviously get the the usual oh but it's only the car but it's not no, and i don't think none don't, of that takes no, away yeah. from I don't buy that what hamilton has achieved it's 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 honestly unbelievable that he's been able to be yeah. this successful well i think yeah. even um, even if it is the car like you've got to be the best to get in the best car yeah. exactly yeah if it's and, if it was just the car then mercedes would find someone they can pay a lot less to drive it instead yeah, like exactly. Yeah, exactly exactly they'd have, they'd have george russell going around in it for peanuts wouldn't they yeah they exactly they're gonna win championships with him like it's... yeah 
I think you've only got to compare like him versus Bottas over the last few seasons that Bottas has been there that to to see that yes, fair enough, there's a huge advantage in the car, but he's still this world class driver because I mean I mean look at Bottas this weekend. What a dismal weekend. And then in the same car, Lewis is doing what he's doing. Like that's that's just pure racecraft. Yeah. And I don't think that whether whether you hate Hamilton or whether you love Ham- Hamilton, I think after watching his race and a couple of other people's races this weekend, you can't deny the racecraft in those. Like there were four. We talked about it during the race, Chris, me and you. But like four or five drivers that are probably easily candidates for driver of the day when we get round to that in in a little bit, but. Like he's definitely one of them because he came from like more than a pit stop down to be more than a pit stop ahead. Yeah, by being able to to work yeah. that car in those conditions, and I mean, Perez, for example, Perez did a really good job, but Perez was kind of stationary. He didn't he didn't go forward. He didn't go backwards. Lewis went through the field as did a couple of others, and it it really shows racecraft i think yeah that. well i and feel he, like he found a way to make a car work that that car just did not want to yeah. i mean clearly from bottas's race that car did not want to work <laughs> this weekend and, quali- and qualifying as well yeah. like come mm-hmm. on we, we, we're talking in, we're talking a weekend where verstappen topped every single session until q3 and then he mm-hmm. was second in q3 and then obviously the you know the race ended as it did but like we t- we're talking about a weekend where mercedes never actually truly found any pace if you mm. look at the standings and where they were oh yeah they were and a long it, way down for a lot of yeah it. i mean there was a it, lewis was joking um saying i, I can't remember it was rachel brooks interviewed him after qualifying oh yeah and and it was about his positioning qualifying and she was saying like oh you've got to be disappointed with that and he was like well i was 20th this morning so it's an improvement like <laughs> but but as, as jokey kind of bantery as that was i think that's a a champions and a winner's mentality. Like as much as he was saying it a bit off the cuff for a bit of a joke, I think in his head that is genuinely how he's looking at it. Like, well, at the end of the day, I've come from being nowhere to being here, and I'm only going to go forwards tomorrow. And yeah. that's that's the mentality that someone like him has. I think. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, truly awesome. Like I I don't think there's many drivers that could have done what he did in that car in that race no not many i don't think there's all. i don't think there's any other driver on the grid that could do what he's done in that race i i, I truly honestly don't i if think you look, you if could, you go down that you could make an argument for verstappen i think because he is very very good in the wet this yeah. race oh, he, not he, so he, much he, we'll get onto him in the well, little later i guess but my counter to that is verstappen raced in the same race yeah, inarguably, a car that was uh, more dominant and a, and yeah, a better a good car point. for the race, and he didn't. Mm. He failed to do it. So, mm. I'm sorry, Chris, but <laughs> I'm going to have to beat you down on that one. No, you, just... you're probably right. Yeah, I, I, I really don't. I think maybe Verstappen is the closest you could come to it. You, you could say, <sighs> no, I. I, I can't think of anyone else. I, I honestly, honestly, there's just no one else on in that not, field at the moment. Not in the way that. he did it, and yeah, with that ending up that far ahead as well. I think he showed himself as a true master of this sport this weekend. And he, he was like 
a champion's drive, which is sort of, you know, a bit of a cliche, but these are the kind of races he likes to win as well. Like, yes, you take the win where he qualifies pole and then drives away, but he likes winning these sort of races more. And like this, if if there's ever any doubt, which there shouldn't be at this point, why he's as successful as he is, like that race just underlined it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think to deny him like the, any of yeah. his sort of skill of, or prowess at this point is just madness, isn't it? Like he's, yeah, he's a legend. He's a living legend. He's, we're lucky to live in such a time where we get to witness it. I mean, I, I think that going back to the difference between the, the drivers as well and the cars, I think the key thing was for Lewis was actually staying on the tyre that he was on and, yeah, and oh, yeah. making that making that decision to... I mean, at the end of the day, he did like 50 laps. He did, the majority of the race on those inters and yeah. there were other people slicks. like yeah yeah and there were other people like max that used three sets of inters during that race mm. now there's a i mean if you get if you're going to finish two pit stops ahead of someone there's <laughs> there's why right away that they've done two pit stops more than you like <laughs> that'll do it <laughs> that's, yeah. an easy, that's, an e- that's an easy way for him to get 40 seconds in front isn't it ultimately yeah exactly and, yeah. And, you're not, you're not and, wrong <laughs> But the but the problem was, I think, that everyone that went to those second sets of inters, I mean, not all of them, but a lot of them were then struggling to to get them working again because the conditions were just so weird. And I think, as weird as it sounds, you needed that kind of part-worn inter, didn't you, really? You needed that sort of... You needed that kind of worn-away inter for when you were on... The slightly drier line, but then still have something in reserve for when you were hitting the wet. Yeah, I I mean, well, it was about <clears throat> tire management, wasn't it? Really, yeah. at the end of the day, the, the, the drivers that manage their tires properly, you know, Perez and Hamilton had the most successful races of every, yeah, of I mean, everyone it, on the field. It shouldn't. It's not much of a surprise that Sergio Perez did well in that race, knowing what he's always been like with tires, and it was definitely yeah. that kind of race. Mm. I think the other thing that stood out to me particularly after the race, is kind of just like the way Hamilton goes about things these days and the sort of driver and person he's grown into. Like, he's just achieved something that only one other person in history has achieved. But if you watch all of his interviews after the race, he was talking about wanting to inspire young people and particularly wanting to inspire sort of people that aren't white which you know make up the vast majority of motorsport these days and he was talking about wanting to stick around in motorsport to help f1 and help mercedes build on sustainability and going to these places that like we talked about last week that might be questionable and trying to use f1 and the platform he's got to improve the world and things and like racing is almost just kind of one of the things he does these days like he talks about so many different things so intelligently and eloquently and Mm. the fact that he's using this amazing platform he's built for himself for so many other things i just i struggle to think of many people that do it in the way that he does yeah he's a true altruist isn't he he yeah he really seems to care about the real sort of global issues, you know, climate change, things like that, things that affect everyone and will affect everyone every day. Um, he, he's, a, he's a human. He cares about humanity, doesn't mm. he? That's the yeah. That's and and thing. like 
and he doesn't get it right all the time. Like there was a thing no, recently no posted one, something that was that? vaguely um, anti-vaxxer and he was, <laughs> there was a thing a few years ago yeah. where uh, he was like criticized his nephew for wearing a tutu or something like that. But like every time he does something that makes a mistake and people pull him up on it, you can tell he reflects on that and learns from it and yeah. grows as a person. And when you... And no, no one's perfect either. Like, exactly, people, yeah. People always, you know... I, 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 yeah, I can count on 10 hands the number of times I've put my foot in my mouth on this podcast, <laughs> never mind, just in conversations with people. So, oh, and I hate thinking of it as well. It's just so embarrassing <laughs> to think back of like all the crap you've done. Do you ever get that where your brain's like, hey, remember that time you left all that money on the side and walked out the room and had to go back and get it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> what, a, what a, sorry, what a weird like little I, insight okay. into your brain. So, yeah, Do you remember I that time you left that money I, in the side? I, I, I sold a car and then forgot to pick, <laughs> forgot to pick up the money. <laughs> and like it's my it's the most embarrassing moment of my life, and my brain always reminds me of it. <laughs> such a bastard. <laughs> anyway, carry on. I, no, and I, I know I do relate to what you say. No, as well with the with that like. And I think we, I mean, nobody's ever going to be perfect, but the the difference is, is how people react to, like, it's not even criticism, is it? It's just, I mean, well, sometimes it is, but sometimes yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, like it's gem, general advice or whatever, like, to say, I mean, to turn around to someone and say, please don't say that or behave that way because of this reason. To then like mm. take that on board, reflect on it, and actually make yeah. a change because of it is. I don't think it's usually that eloquent on the internet, Tom. <laughs> and, and no, yeah, but it, it it depends. It depends on the scenario, doesn't it? Like, yeah. if if someone's making the point in that manner, he's gonna listen. I mean, some yeah. people will pull will pull up anyone on anything for any reason because they just dislike them, and. But- also, I mean, he, what he seems to be good at, though, is what I'm trying to get at is he can tune out the people who are purely just there to try and cause him grief. Yeah, the haters. And, yeah. But, yeah, but he can take on board the the genuine criticism of people where it's, look, this is what you've done. This is why we'd advise against it. And this is what we'd yeah. have, we'd advise to improve and be better in that in that particular scenario. Yeah, and I, I mean we should all be able to do that, but I mean some people obviously can't. Yeah, I mean <laughs> you know without without dwelling too much on his sort of personality and stuff, I don't think we're here to talk about you know the psychology of Lewis Hamilton and his personality and things like that. But like suffice to say, he's just a he's an excellent example of a Formula One world champion. He's he's a great human being and. He's he's earned it. He's yeah. earned what he's yeah. everything he's got. However, you feel about the dominance of of him and of the team, you can't deny that F one is very lucky to have him as. Yeah. Let's face it, the face of the sport these days. I mean, he he is probably bigger than Formula One is these days. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so, to a degree, probably. Yeah, 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 and I okay. think I think we're just privileged to have been able to watch it like again might not have always produced the most exciting races to watch but kind of as a whole as an era to be able to watch like i didn't say it before like this will be a thing that like we'll talk to our kids and our grandkids about like oh yeah i remember like watching live when he achieved this 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 and this like yeah i mean i'll, I'll put it out there like I, i'm right in saying that out of the three of us i've watched for the longest 
that right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, you have. So, so out of the three of us, I always feel sort of kind of privileged to be able to say I, I saw the Williams era with like um, Hill and um, Prost and Mansell and people like that. I saw it transforming and the Benetton time as well with Schumacher. Saw it turn into the McLaren versus Ferrari and then into the Ferrari era. And then also like Seb at Red Bull. And there's what there's one resounding thing that I've learned over the years, and that is there's certain drivers through that time that I didn't have enough respect for at the time because I was too young and bullish and just like mm-hmm. I'm I'm sick of seeing this person win all the time. And mm. I didn't have the respect for it. But as a more mature fan now, as an older fan now, that's also been through similar scenarios a couple of times, I've got a lot more like respect for a driver that's doing it whilst I'm here to enjoy it. Because yeah, I, I, look, I look back at the Schumacher era and I always think to myself, I wish I'd had more respect for him at the time. I, I can see why people loved him at the time now. Yeah. E- even Seb, I didn't, I didn't have a p- true appreciation of Seb at Red Bull until you've sort of seen a bit more of Seb as Seb when he's been at Ferrari and you've seen a bit more of his personality. And it was like, you, you just saw the guy winning every other week and it, it kind of, if, if that wasn't your team or it wasn't your driver, it, it, it could hit a nerve sometimes. And that's the thing that I've learned. Like, I've got a lot of respect for both Mercedes and Lewis, but I'd never sort of throw my hat in the ring as they are my team or he is my driver because I've got other favourites. But as an older more mature fan now, I sort of like like to think that I can at least respect the greatness that's there. Mm, the same yeah. as same as like I, I mean, I I absolutely despise Alonso during his time, <laughs> but him, we we wax lyrical about him these days because you sort of nah. look back on it and well, all right, we have in the past, maybe not you, right now, but we have, have in the past. <laughs> but I mean, he's a he's a damn good driver. He like we'll, we'll driver. see what we'll see what he's like once he gets yeah, back to let's, F1. Let's, let's, but, let's hold judgment but, on that what, one. Uh, what what I'm saying though is like at, at the time you just don't necessarily always have the respect for it especially if it's not the team or driver that you're choosing to follow at that time. Yeah. Um so I hope a lot of people that are really like anti Hamilton or anti Mercedes right now once it's gone and we're into another era and it's somebody else's turn, they can kind of look back and go, I can kind of see why everyone was into Hamilton now. Like I can, I can see why they had the respect for him and Mercedes at the time. Yeah. I, I think, I think you see a lot of people at the moment sort of going through that with Vettel actually. Um, I mean, I'll yeah. hold my hands up and say, I didn't really give him his due at the point he was winning championships. Um, but, you know, looking back, he definitely deserves to be held in high regard with a lot of other drivers. Um, and you do see yeah. a lot of people sort of doing the same thing right now. Mm. Um, I think that there's a level of, I think just, just to finish off, I guess, cause we're 40 minutes in and we've done Mercedes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's a momentous occasion to be it fair is, for a is, particular it driver. Is, it is, so. to be fair, yeah, you're right. Um, so like on, just on the, on the Vettel stuff, I feel like the way Red Bull sort of, conducted themselves during that whole thing was it just seemed a bit kind of chest thumpy and a little bit kind of yeah. like look at us look at us kind of thing yeah and i don't feel point. like mercedes are quite the same i guess like mercedes just seem a bit more classy about the way they're winning these championships than what red bull were 
Yeah, uh, no, I can see that. From a from a PR perspective, yeah. I'm sure for you know for everyone in that in who who works for those teams, who's part of that, you know, part of that story, then absolutely, you know, thump your chest about it, brag about it. It's, it's it's there to be bragged about. It's a huge achievement. But just from a you know PR side, like when they're in front of the cameras constantly, and there's this certain sort of messaging from that team and stuff like that, just seemed a bit on the nose whereas mercedes kind of a bit a bit cooler about it mm. yeah yeah anyway no, I can agree with that thing so let's shall we do, yeah, sh- shall we do let's thing? talk about some others <laughs> let's um, talk about the race yeah so we mentioned bottas briefly um spun the first lap he then had that collision with Ocon later in the first lap which was didn't really get much tv time but it was incredibly clumsy if you go back and watch a replay of it mm. um slightly in his defense he lost one of the foot plates from his front wing, which then got wedged in his own barge boards, which probably explains some of why he was struggling, but I'm not going to try and defend him. Like He had about six spins throughout the race. It was just a dismal, dismal day for him. He just likes getting stuff wedged in his barge board. Apparently, yeah. That's that's, that's his new thing. That's the new way he's found to lose. (laughs) Deflectors. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, racing point. Let's talk about them. Mm. I mean, Stroll's start was pretty much perfect. Like it looked like he got a bit overexcited on the formation lap, and he arrived way too early compared to the rest yeah. of the pack. And I was ready for him to just get eaten alive into turn one because his tires would have been stone cold. But he absolutely nailed the start, and the whole first stint, he looked great. He looked really comfortable. He'd like built himself a decent gap for the most part he was maintaining that gap to Perez um I mean Perez was never going to be his rear gunner given that Perez like knows he's out of that team at the end of the year so it's not like he had someone to help him defend the position mm. but Stroll was one of the best out there for that first and he did such a good job mm. then it was it sort of seemed to be Leclerc he was the first to pit for fresh inters and a few of the drivers kind of followed suit um racing points seemed to um and ah about it for a few laps and by the time they decided to commit to the pit stop it was horribly timed and it dropped um stroll back out behind verstappen who by that point had already made two stops i believe they should probably have gone for the stop a few laps earlier if they were to do it um i mean ultimately it didn't matter because he had just no pace once he switched tires as the tracks all started to dry um, racing point have now said that he had some kind of front wing damage. I think that they didn't identify during the race, which explains some of it. But yeah, so that was a um, it was like a deflector. Um, you know, they have those strakes that run down the back behind yeah. the wing underneath where you can't see. Apparently, one of those had, had been dislodged and was just like blasting the air in completely the wrong direction and <laughs> destroying the front de- the, the the entire flow of the whole car, which would explain why he was getting such bad tire yeah. graining. And also, another reason he would be getting tire graining so badly is because he did come out in effectively in traffic and he yeah. wouldn't have been enjoying the same level of downforce that he had when yeah. he was way out in front, you know, in clean air. So therefore, you know, that car, that car given the, the damage and the fact he was in traffic, that's just compounded it so badly and he's ended up in a situation where he just can't get the tyre working. I mean, the thing with all that for me was I, I think Stroll's lack of experience of being there at the moment 
and uh, racing points, lack of experience of being there as well, in the sense that when they were trying to decide whether they were going to make that pit stop to, to follow suit with other drivers, we heard the radio message saying, you know, Lance Box, we're going to put fresh inters on. And he, he asked the question of why why we're going to do that. And, like, the the response just sounded like a, a pissed-off dad. Like, it was like, <laughs> yeah. well, fine. It was like, well, fine, stay out then. Like, <laughs> and I was like, really? Like, it really caught me off guard yeah. hearing that message. And it, it, I think that, that one message really highlights how both driver and team are just not used to that scenario, I think. And it may be call them all a bit off guard. I think they did a better job with Perez, but that was obviously that was like trying to play both sides, I think, when yeah. they realized it wasn't as soon as they realized it wasn't working for Stroll and that he was struggling on the new tires, it was basically Radio Sergio and say, Can you go to the end on these tires? And he, yeah. and of course Sergio says yes. So I have <laughs> some something interesting to add here. So the as a man who listens to a lot of radio, um <laughs> the the relationship between I'm noticing the relationship between Stroll and his engineer it, it sounds you can hear the strain in that relationship I think mm. in the voices of of particularly of the engineer like there's just a, there's a real tension between the two of them I don't know whether that's like part of the pressure of just being in a race situation and and sort of they're often in situations where you know they are quite tension situations anyway because of the nature of the Stroll and the nature of that car I guess and where they are in in the field. Um, but there's definitely, I'm hearing more and more and more a sort of an, an exasperation in the voice of the engineer who he just sounds sort of like he's putting up with Stroll rather than hmm. actually trying to help him yeah, get into a position where yeah. he can actually win races. So for all the stuff we say against Stroll, A, Stroll, I mean, for, for an engineer to be being like that with him is probably not the easiest driver to deal with. And B, in Stroll's defence, if he if that's what Stroll was dealing with on an engineer side, then there's no wonder he's you know, getting into situations where he he's he's having accidents and and sort of unable to get the most out of the car. So hmm. yeah, just a little, just an interesting point. Yeah, yeah. It's because I was thinking you you've probably heard more of this to sort of confirm or deny it, but it seemed like um, Karun Chandok for the first half of the race kept saying how calm on the radio Stroll seemed he was just out there calmly pumping the laps like doing his thing and it then felt like from the moment they had that uh, pit stop sort of disagreement he kind of lost that cool for the rest of the race and he sort of sounded more and more frantic and that kind of matched up with some of his defence when people were coming back yeah. to him just getting more and more ragged like he I think at one point he tries to defend against Vettel and ended up losing like three places in the process and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I think it just it, it was him. It was very clearly him feeling it slipping away. Essentially, wasn't it? Like, yeah. He mm. he knew he was losing places. He knew that that tire in that situation wasn't working for him, and he could see. I mean, he probably been sat at the front, tootling away, think dreaming of what it's going to be like to stand on the top step thinking like if this carries on as it is I'm it's easy like mm. and then su- suddenly in that one pit stop everything's gone and it's it's just got, like you could see that that kind of got to him in the way he was defending I think yeah and I think that's one of the many lessons he can learn from this weekend and I hope he can move on from it like he can still take yeah. away from this weekend that 
as Martin Brundle likes to say, on that day in history in qualifying, he was mm. the fastest person out there. Yeah, and true. for half of a race, he looked pretty untouchable. Like he was doing everything he needed to do to win a Grand Prix. And yes, it all fell apart from him after that. But there's definitely a lot of positives in this weekend. And I hope for his sake that he can focus on those and take them away and not let the actual results um, overshadow that. Yeah. Nepotism for the win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Perez, we sort of already mentioned, but he, I felt like Perez just did exactly what you'd expect him to do in a race like that. Like, while there was chaos all around him, he just <laughs> very calmly... I felt like every time I had a look at the timing tower, it's like, yep, he's still second, still second. Always first. No, he's back to second, but that's fine. I'm still second. And he just sort of, Mm. I I feel like Perez is the only person I didn't see go off the track at any point in the race. Yeah. Mm. Um, Maybe on the last lap when he was dueling with um, Leclerc, actually, he maybe had like one off, but he just, he just deboyed his best, doesn't he, really? He was. Just got on with it. Yeah. Yeah. Just got on with it. Yep. Just a classic, solid Perez podium drive. Uh, and really yeah. nice to see. I think we probably expected more podiums from that car uh, pre-season. So it's good to see him finally get one. Yeah. Very well deserved. Uh, Ferrari. Mm. Mm. Let's sort of do Vettel first. He had a ridiculously good start. Have you seen the onboard of his first lap? I haven't. I made a thumbnail for it and didn't even get to watch it. I was so busy. <laughs> it's... <laughs> ridiculous um he went from 11th on the grid to third by the end of well he was fourth by the exit of turn one pretty much and then he was uh third by the end of the first lap um yeah really impressive stuff he held off verstappen for quite a long time um verstappen eventually got through uh as usual ferrari did their best to ruin all of his hard work by messing up yet another one of his pit stops luckily it wasn't yeah. quite as bad this time as we've seen earlier this season but yeah he ended up with Hamilton behind him for a while and as I already mentioned they had a a proper sort of kind of equal footing fight for a while which was really nice to see he did a really good job of uh, holding him off it was yeah another it, we've seen a few of these sort of drives from Vettel this season but this is kind of the first one that has actually all come together for him I guess yeah, it was pretty solid, to be fair, wasn't it? Like, other than the pit stop, I mean, what he was doing on track was pretty solid. Pretty faultless, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, like, Leclerc, meanwhile, had an absolutely shocking start. He was really struggling at the start. Um, as I said, he was the first to switch to new Inters, which actually kind of worked for him. He was the first one to switch for the second stop as well, and both times that kind of worked for him, unlike everyone else. He managed to pass Vettel, and then he got up uh, behind Perez, um, until that final lap madness where I, I think that Perez and Leclerc actually traded places a few times in that last lap, didn't they? Um, but we only really, really saw it live going into the final complex. Um, and it was a bit, I don't know, it looked a bit lungy and desperate from Leclerc trying to nick second to me. And I think I think he was all right because he'd, he'd already got the position. If you If you'll go back a corner... He'd already got the position um, because Perez was chasing him and Leclerc had got the DRS from being behind him in the detection zone, but then getting past him. And then Perez has come like alongside him trying to get the position back and Leclerc essentially just locked up and kind of went straight on and 
Perez and Vettel have made their way past him while doing it. And like Perez has just tried to avoid the incident, basically. But Leclerc was ahead going into that corner. Right, so, yeah, because it was kind of turn, I guess it's turn nine and ten, isn't it? They Yeah. Is where they initially swapped, yeah. Um, yeah, and and I think the thing with it is possibly, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's solely down to this, but I think a contributing factor sometimes in these things is having DRS when you're not following someone. It puts you in a very weird, unknown scenario. Like, he's probably not gone into that corner in that scenario. Yeah, and probably not. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's a complete excuse for what happened, but there's little factors like that that suddenly mean you're approaching a different speed on a different line in a different thing and if he's not done that for the previous 57 laps he's, he's, he's <laughs> not going to be what he expects to happen is well, it? Yeah, he yeah, yeah. know his breaking point at that point doesn't he yeah and, and i think it comes down to just something as like i mean any any other lap and he'd have probably recovered from it and he'd have maybe had another go at Perez. but it was just it was just the worst timing for it to yeah. be into the final chicanes on the final lap so, I mean, you could argue that you shouldn't be braking at the point you've never hit the brakes before. True. On the final lap when you're in a podium position, but yeah, but yeah, it, all of which shook out to give Vettel his first podium since the Mexican Grand Prix last season, which was over a year ago. Yeah, it means Vettel uh, has kept up his record of getting a podium in every season he's competed in, which is uh, yeah, nice I like up. that. That's good. That's good. News. Yeah, it's good. It was. It was just. I really, really like seeing on the podium. I actually cheered and punched the air when I realised that Vettel had got himself into I third place. I, and, I was jumping up and down. Yeah, and, t- and like hmm. going back to what I was saying earlier, like in Vettel's championship years, I wasn't really a Vettel fan. And like if you told me then that I'd be one day cheering him over the line for a third place, I'd have thought you'd gone mad. But it was just really nice to see. And as we already said, like the fact that he then got to be the first to congratulate Lewis and he just kind of felt right, didn't it? It was it was just really nice to watch. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Um, it also meant Perez and Vettel now become the eleventh and twelfth drivers to be on the podium this year, which is more than we normally get. Oh. I don't remember the last time we had that many different drivers <laughs> getting podiums. Which yeah. it just goes to show behind the actual champion, it's been an amazing fight this year. Yeah, um, and honestly, I wouldn't bet against that number increasing before the season's out. I'd. I've, have you seen the, the email that we had about um, that podium, by the way? Uh, no, I've Chris. not. Let me... I, I feel bad because I can't... I'm, I can't remember... Oh, no, it might be in a Facebook comment, actually. Um, but but somebody, somebody... I will try and find the name to give them the credit that they deserve for this. But somebody sent us a message or a Facebook comment or something like that, pointing out that those three on the podium were the only three drivers that competed in the previous race in Turkey in 2011. Oh, wow. Yeah, of course they are. So ev- nobody else that was on the grid competed in 2011 and the, the three that were finished. So Raikkonen has been there before, but he wasn't there in 2011. Ah, of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's really cool. I like that. Not a factor, though. Not a factor. <laughs> <laughs> this, this track is a different track to what it was in 2011. The layout may be the same. <laughs> But it's a different track. No, but it was just an, it was just an interesting coincidence that the, the three guys that were there last time yeah. were the ones on the podium. Yeah, I no, no I'm, I'm not taking away from that, yeah. Another fact I saw that I think you can read into is that in every single team, the more experienced of the two drivers finished ahead. Yes, And I think there is that. something to that. Mm. 
it was Eugene Risto on Facebook who sent us that in a comment. So thanks, Eugene. Thanks, you made huge. me look. You made me look better <laughs> <laughs> for, for being able to pick that one out. <laughs> it's also the most world championships that have ever stood on a podium together. <laughs> That's cool. Which surprised me actually, given that only two of the three are actually. Uh, <laughs> it shows, shows how many they've got between them though because that's yeah, 11 well, between yeah. them now isn't yeah. it there, is, there was a race where Senna, Prost and Schumacher also on the podium together but at that point in time Schumacher didn't have any championships so um, yeah. that's technically the one with the most if you go across history but retrospectively in terms of like, yeah, yeah yeah exactly but at this moment in time yeah the most has ever been on there that's hmm. rad that's a cool fact that's a really it really fact. is yeah I like stuff like that Let's move on to Red Bull, their 300th uh, Grand Prix start, which turned out to be one of the ones they want <laughs> yeah, to forget. One to forget, yeah. yeah. We've kind of recovered some of it. Like They look sort of fastest all of Friday and Saturday, but didn't make it work in Q3. Um, yeah, let's talk about Max. Max is the uh, real sort of... Let's hot, talk hot about Max. He had one of the worst starts I've ever seen i think he <laughs> just didn't move yeah it was it was pretty shocking to be honest i'm surprised the engine didn't cut out like yeah, even well, with no anti- i know i know like bef- before you all start raging in the comments <laughs> i know they've got anti-stall let's just move on <laughs> <laughs> yeah once he got going as we said he stood behind vettel for ages uh, I was impressed by uh, after Vettel pitted and he stayed out for about three or four laps longer than that. And he actually managed to pick up the pace enough to come out still ahead of uh, Vettel, which I thought at the time that was very impressive. I was amazed he managed to do that. And he wasn't even the fastest pit stop that Red Bull have ever done either. Um, so at that point, he kind of looked like he had some pace. We had the Red Bulls in third and fourth at that point, actually, and they were like probably the two fastest cars on the track. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then Verstappen caught up Perez. And after being stuck behind him for a few laps, I mean, what was he thinking at, at turn 11? I don't... Through the kink. He was um, just impatience. He was too I close think. to it. I mean, he lost all his downforce, didn't he, in the way? Yeah, and, and he was mm. taking the non-optimal line as well because he was kind of... He was like half behind him, so he wasn't taking like the optimal line through a corner they already were needing to leave. It, yeah, it was just impatience, I think. It was. I mean, there's no really way silly. to put it. It's just, just petulant the, the impatience. Thing, yeah, I think as well, if he'd, if he'd have not been so up the rear end of the racing point, he'd have, he'd have easily had him into hmm. the next breaking zone anyway. Like... Yeah, that's it, it. I think it, it it was just that. It was just a little bit of impatience. Which, it wasn't driving to the conditions. Or, or he, he'd put himself above the conditions in that moment, thinking, I I, I can make this work. Well, made the gamble, yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. It was it was very Didn't sad. pay off, did it? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, it's good to look yeah, at. He almost saved it. He almost. If he'd saved that, yeah, this yeah. would be a different... It would have been a different race if he'd saved that, I think. Yeah, I mean, the I, I, fact that he didn't go further off the track than he did is impressive yeah. enough. Yeah, he's got a knack for like spinning he in a really straight has. line and then getting it. And you can see, you could see him actually like 
I suppose they all do it, but like I feel, I feel like with Verstappen, like you do see it more. He's got excellent car control in a slide. It's almost yeah. like he yeah. he's done Formula Drift in a former life or something like that. And yeah, like he he was very close to getting it in a straight line again. And I think if it had been ever so slightly, like four or five laps later, and the track had been that little bit drier, he probably would have got it straightened out again and been able to carry on and probably yeah. another attack the next lap. I think there was a degree, though, with, with what you saw from a lot of drivers, and I think that partly included in it, is that every few laps, the track was literally changing. Like, yeah. you were sort of, there were constant wet patches everywhere that you could see people hitting. Like, I mean, one of Bottas's spins, you look and he, he's kind of on the racing line. Uh, it's, it's a fairly early one from memory, but he sort of, he's on the racing line. Hits a puddle and then that's it. Yeah, cars it's all, round. It's like, gone. Yeah. And it's it's just the fact that either that that puddle's moving across the track because it's like kind of it's running across and he's hit it differently, or it's just he's taken a very marginally different line. And I think there was a lot of that. Like when you look yeah. through certain corners, there's these big patches everywhere, and occasionally people were hitting them on the inters and just it's turning the car around because. There's literally there's no grip there with those tires, especially towards the end of that those tires' lives as well. When you you were seeing those big strips of like nothing slick. down the middle of the tire, yeah, just yeah. pure slick down the middle. Yeah, so. I think like I I mentioned this to one of my colleagues um, over the weekend. Like you've I, I in years and years of watching Formula One, I have never seen Formula One cars look so alive on a racetrack. Mm. Like they usually mm. look like they're on rails. Like for the most yeah. part, like most most races, this season maybe is a bit of an exception because we've had some weird situations. But in in years gone by, every race, it'd be weird to see a car sliding around a lot, yeah. or, or or snapping in the middle of a corner or things like that. Like it's very rare you see that such as level of grip. This race, I have never seen so much movement mm. in in the cars. Like they don't they did not look like Formula One cars going around <laughs> the track. No. It looked it looked weird, but yeah, it, it but did. great at the same time. But but really really good fun. Probably not what Formula One is, but it's, it was great fun. It's a nice to have a change now and then, isn't it? So yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Like you you don't want that every weekend, but for it to happen on this occasion was incredibly entertaining to watch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so Verstappen ended up making three pit stops. He eventually finished sixth. Uh, Albon, I felt like just got kind of forgotten about and left out to dry by a red bull like it you got verstappen saying that he wanted to stay out a few more laps before he pitted and then it felt like albon just had to quietly sit and wait for them to be done with verstappen yeah. like okay now we'll bring you in like if if he hadn't been left out as long as he was i, I think i'm right in saying he was the very last person to make his first pit stop if he had pitted a few laps earlier he could have been right in that fight for third much, much sooner. Um, but he, he just, again, felt like he was a complete afterthought. Yeah. In in answer to your question, yes, he was the person that stayed on those wets the longest. I thought he was, the yeah. Only bit, the only person that stayed out longer was Russell, but he started on the Inters. Yeah, of course. So he went, he, he went a lot longer. And again, like, Albon ultimately spun and drops himself out of contention but you can't get away from the fact that yes he's not doing himself any favors but 
Red Bull aren't really doing him any favors either when it comes to the strategies they're giving him. Mm. Um, I like there was a point in time where he briefly looked like the favorite for the win. I thought at the very least he looked like a near guarantee podium, but yeah, that's been sort of uh, put an end to all of that. It was hard to watch because, again, it felt like maybe this is where he shows what he can do. And I think he did for the lot of show what he can do, what he's capable of. But, again, the result itself didn't reflect that. He ended up finishing seventh, wasn't he? One place behind yeah. the step. Yeah. Well, just imagine driving that car. If it's as pointy as what they say it is, Yeah, that yeah. must have been hell on earth driving that car around, um, around that track on it's, that day. I- I mean, he had one of the... Uh, I can't remember if he had more than one spinner, if it was just the one, but the the one that he did have that stood out for me was the one where the back end like kind of whipped around on him. Yeah, um, it was like I turn four, I think it was. Yeah, I was going to say four. I couldn't remember which mm. one it was, but um, I mean, that was just an example of, of the wildness that A, the car, and B, the conditions combined into. Yeah, a, a really good opportunity gone begging, I think, that for album. Here's yeah. a here's a good question for you both. If if someone offered you a chance to drive a Formula One car, but you mm. had to drive it in those conditions, <laughs> would you take I the would, chance? I'd I'd have to politely decline because I would cost whoever owns that car a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, I'd probably cost them a lot of money in the dry, let alone in those conditions. <laughs> you say I think it depends what the uh, what the insurance premium is on that one. Yeah. It, it, it depends on if they let me like project cars cheat and just put the tire pressures ridiculously low so I get some <laughs> grip. <laughs> if I can do that hack, then it's all yeah. good. <laughs> so low that like the car's just bottomed out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Two miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, let's quickly route through another couple of teams. McLaren, yeah. I thought, had a decent damage limitation day. Uh, both the drivers got uh, qualifying penalties which dropped them way down the grid. Um, Sainz probably had the best start of the lot. He was from 15th to 9th on the first lap. Um, he was one of the later ones to pit, but he made it work for him. Pass Ricardo on track for 6th, then he inherited 5th when um, Verstappen had to pit again. Uh, Norris didn't have quite as good a time. He got stuck behind Magnussen for absolutely ages, but once he got past, he was also able to uh, pass Ricardo and Stroll on track for eighth place. Um, mm. And on a day where Racing Point obviously picked up a second place, uh, McLaren ended up not losing that many points to them. Could have gone a lot worse yeah, than yeah. I thought. Could have, it, it was it was decent damage limitation. I think from from where they looked like they were going to be by the end of Saturday. Um, I mean. They didn't even make it into Q3, even before the mm. penalties. Yeah, exactly. So it, it was looking like it was going to be a terrible weekend for them. But credit to them, they both made the best of what they could in the race. Yeah. Signs especially. Especially signs, yeah. 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 But then again, after the way he drove in uh, Portugal, I guess under these conditions, that wasn't a huge surprise, was it? Especially yeah. his opening mm-hmm. lap again. Yeah. Um, and then the other team in that fight for third, Renault, had a terrible time they only picked a single point for ricardo in 10th um mm. ocon was actually very very briefly third at the start uh mm. but he sort of ended up um on the outside of bottas and ricardo uh, and he ricardo made contact with him and spun him then he was hit again by bottas later in the lap uh, which i think caused some damage to his 
front wing he also had a puncture which meant he had to pit on the second lap uh, it just kind of all fell apart for him but yeah really disappointing day for Renault that's dropped them a little bit further back in that fight now which they had caught right back up in but um, where are we with the constructor standings now well this is a good question I've got them right here in front of me pray tell please do um, so we've got racing point on 154 points in third place uh, yeah, 154. We've got McLaren on 159 in fourth. Renault down in fifth, 136. And Ferrari creeping up behind on 130 points. So Ferrari are in the mix now. God, considering those three were on basically the same <laughs> points not all that long ago, that's, yeah. that's really hurt Renault, hasn't it, that? It has yeah. hurt Renault a lot, I think. But there's nothing in that still. Though. For, for, you know, Remember, there's three races left. There's a hell of a lot left on the table. There are, yeah. Yeah, um, I do think this weekend has probably put the end to any hopes AlphaTauri had of catching Ferrari. They had a pretty yeah. shocking weekend as well. Um, did you hear what happened with Gasly and his grid penalty? No, I did not. There. So they, after, was it the last race, the race before where his car basically caught fire and fried a bunch yeah. of stuff? So they knew they would have to take a new engine and take a penalty at some point this season. So after qualifying, they thought, that didn't go great. Let's let's take the new engine now. Took the old engine out of the car, popped a new one in. Then they saw all of the various grid penalties that were happening and thought, oh, actually, if we have our original qualifying position, we'll be quite a bit further up here. So then hastily stuck the previous engine back in there where oh. they left it so late in the day. The FIA were like, no, we haven't got time to go through this car now and check all the parts, the ones they're supposed to be you're having a grid penalty regardless, basically. So they stuck him to the oh, back, even though he ended wow. up not taking the new engine. So I guess that means they do now still have that fresh engine sat there, ready to be used without a penalty. But yeah, it, very clumsy from them, wow. from an operational point of view. 2020, the gift that mm. keeps giving. <laughs> yeah, if, if, weird thing. Was that on anyone's that, 2020 really bingo would, card? Yeah, like no, I don't imagine that ever happening ever again. That's such a <laughs> no, not at all. Really is. Yeah. And then the only teams I haven't mentioned, Alfa Romeo was their 500th race, uh, qualified well, but were nowhere in the well. Grosjean didn't even make it around the formation lap before he spun and broke his front wing. <laughs> um, he did at least manage to start on the grid, but he struggled for pace and had a gearbox issue. Uh, Kimi just kind of went backwards. Haas was a double DNF. Um, Magnus actually had a decent race. He held off much faster cars for quite a long time. Um, but then he had a cross-threaded wheel nut in, uh, in his pit stop. which Wow, uh, more wheel nut woes at Haas. Yeah, at least this time they managed to stop him quick enough to wheel him back and fix it and send him back out. But um, he ended up retiring later on. Yeah, um, that's going to finish your race. Yeah, Grosjean and Latifi had a coming together which just looked clumsy all round from what I've seen, um, which ended both their races. Uh, Williams gambled on starting on Inters and started both cars from the pit lane, but didn't really pay off for them, unfortunately. Um, and I think that is everybody mentioned. Yeah. I will I will just quickly go back to one thing that I know we give Grosjean a lot of hassle on this podcast, but it was actually Giovinazzi that spun on the formation, that was it not? Oh, did I say Grosjean? Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, I think I, I just I, I saw a G and said Grosjean. Russell as well. Russell on the formation lap, not the formation lap. The run round, run round to the grid. It wasn't the formation lap. It was the run. Sorry, round yeah, to the grid, yeah, both of them. Oh yeah, sorry, it was yeah, it wasn't. Yes, the formation uh, Russell's on the way back into the pits, wasn't it? He uh, slid into the pit wall and 
knocked his front wing off. That uh, in general, that that pit entry looks the most dangerous, like yeah, the most hairy, risky part it? of the circuit. <laughs> like yeah. so much like that camera shot looking down the pit lane watching cars coming in, and you could just see them coming in from the right hand side of the shot, and they were coming in sideways <laughs> yeah, and like time. nearly slapping that wall. Like it was I was I was loving that camera angle because it just showed like A how much they were pushing it to the limit before hitting the the pit limiter line but also like how risky in general that corner yeah. was to 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 take on into it really was yeah yeah right then it's dotd that time yeah i was about to say on that note are we gonna pick one of these drivers we've spoken about to be our driver of the day i, I think there's a few <sighs> candidates there can for only this. be one for me there can only be one I, I think ultimately that's where we're probably all gonna side unless chris has something to i'll go last us. i'll go last then i <sighs> Any one of Hamilton, Perez, Vettel, signs you could make a really strong case for, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was really pleased with signs the 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 damage limitation and and getting positions back out of what was a dreadful Saturday for them. I was really pleased. Yeah, fifth with. from fifteenth is an amazing result. Yeah, especially in the conditions that they were in, and like just basically keeping it on the on the track, on the racing line, and staying out of the trouble of everyone else, with some good overtakes as well, that I had from science. So it wasn't just letting people spin in front yeah. of him. There was good overtakes in amongst all that. Um, but, I mean, considering A, the drive as well, but B, also the gravity of the win, a win that he had no right in having at one point <laughs> in that race, in my opinion. I'm, no. I'm, I have to side with Lewis on this one. Yeah. I'm a, I'm I'm big into Lewis on this one. I think there's just there can be no other. I think yeah. Given the pressure as well, there's always a bit of added yeah. pressure when you know that can be the race that you can take the championship. Given that it is the championship to match the record of Schumacher and the conditions where he started, everything about that drive was just absolutely worthy of driver of the day for me. I know yeah. we don't normally, we've said in the past, we don't normally give it to the winner of the race, but I think on this occasion, it warrants the winner it's, getting driver it, of the day. The, the difference is though, like when we've said we don't give it, always give it to the winner, one of the reasons we don't always give it to the winner is because if the winner is a certain someone that we're talking about right now. Generally speaking, he's, yeah. he, start, he started on pole and he's just driven away. And we, we'll always make the comment of, fantastic drive, he's done what he needed to do, got out there and just gone and done it. However, this driver's made their way through the field to, to earn some points or whatever. And that's what we're trying to identify. But Lewis is the one that's had to do that to, mm. this weekend. Like He started from where he, 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 he was. And like we've already talked about, he was like more than a pit stop down and ended up more than a pit stop ahead. So, like, you can't look past that, can you? Yeah, that's a 40 to 50 second deficit overturned there. I wholeheartedly concur. Yeah, Yeah. lots and lots of honorable mentions, but yeah, you were watching the best of all time at his absolute best, I think. And yes, yeah, you can't. What better way to do it? What better way to win win the seventh world championship? Exactly. I think that was the other thing as well. Like it was going to feel deflating if he equaled the record, finishing like sixth in a mediocre drive, and to do what he did kind of showed why he's got to where he has. I think absolutely. So, but you know what it means. Bottas is going to start winning races now because Hamilton can chill out. Hamilton (laughs) and he's got a history of chilling out after his championships. Yeah, potential for it. Like it's it's going to make make 
distinction's interesting for the next yeah, few exactly, minutes. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, move of the day. I mean, I've already mentioned the science one. There was a, there's a really nice one that he did against Ricardo. Ricardo was a bit slow, to be fair. But, I mean, science was was right there and capitalizing on it so it's tricky isn't it because there were a lot of overtakes but the majority of them were when the car being overtaken was like off the track or sideways or something so (laughs) yeah Yeah. i've got a a worthy one i think i think vettel's start as move of the day because through turn one i think he overtook about eight cars or something like that i'm not sure quite how many exactly it was but he where did vettel start he started he was he was eleventh to third on the opening lap, and all but one of those passes was through the first corner. So yeah, yeah, it, so it, I was, think that it was can, a pretty impressive start put, to the lap. I'm going to put that in for my move of the day to overtake I that could, many cars in one corner is pretty uh, pretty yeah, momentous. That's a good show. Um, I put down Norris getting past Russell. It was a bit clumsy and argy bargy, mm. but it was kind of fun to watch. Yeah. But elbows out. Yeah, wasn't a classic. Mm. I can go with Vettel, yeah. actually. I, I like that as an option. And I like the idea of giving Vettel a thing for this episode. Because <laughs> he didn't yeah. quite get drive of the day. So let's give him move of the day. Let's go with that. Okay, I can, I can, I can live with these terms. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Last one, then. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? At least he's always got that, no matter what. Yeah. <laughs> you heard he's me, always got that. You heard me say, ooh, then. It's actually written, um, rare, read some things I've written down for it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go, go on, go on. I'll let you present. There, there, there are two <laughs> things here that I could rant about for some time. I'll try not to. Go. Cool. <laughs> okay, the first one is, a, a, well, officially once, but arguably twice. Um, was twice. Verstappen crossed the, or came very close to crossing the white line on the piss exit. Mm-hmm which they decided that they were going to investigate after the race. Now, at that point in time, Lance Stroll, who was... Well, the thing is, the thing that bothers me the most is at that point, Lance Stroll, who until that point was the leader of the race, had just come out of the pits behind him. Now, if Stroll had continued to have the pace that he had for the first half of the race, which at that point in time, we had no reason to believe he wouldn't, Mm. being stuck behind Verstappen could have been the difference between him winning that race or not. Like if, if yeah. Verstappen got calling for a penalty, obviously he would have been past him. And to, for something like that to just say, oh, we'll investigate after the race, like something that could decide the result of the race. It, I just don't understand it. It's just not like, what are they doing? I, I think, I think the thing with that as well for me would be that, is it not quite cut and dry? You either cross the line or yeah. you haven't. Well, they said so. Their their argument for not doing it for not because they didn't get they ultimately did they didn't give him a penalty for it because they said they couldn't conclusively conclude that um, he hadn't uh, that he had or had <laughs> not crossed that no he had or had not crossed the line. So um, I'm not a journalist, right? I'm not I'm not a wordsmith. I, I, I don't always use the best words. <laughs> no, mate, okay, it, it was. <laughs> no, it was br- it was brilliant wordsmithery. <laughs> was it? So was yeah, that. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just make it up here. We don't care. So I so I read that after the race, and I went away and watched the onboard, and I don't. I think it's fairly obvious that his front right wheel did go over the line. I think you can you can see the line is in line with his 
his nose of his car. So mm. there's something yeah. weird going on with the optics of that camera if his front right wheel is not over the line. Well, this so, and and Hamilton got a penalty for that in Singapore a few years back. So I I remember that vividly because I'm a fanboy. I don't see <laughs> why. Verstappen just wouldn't get the penalty this yeah. time around. It's just such a strange decision. You've you've kind of reminded me of a third thing to rant about there as well. Uh-oh. Can we get rid of that alternate onboard camera they use? Like most, Which one? Ca- so th- Which there's alternate onboard there's two one? onboard cameras. There's the normal one that's kind of above the driver's head, the kind of T cam position, and yeah. then a few cars always have that one that's kind of lower and off to the left hand side. Yeah. It's terrible. Oh, the, it's absolutely the, awful. Like I, I hate that camera, especially when they seem to have that one instead of the normal T-cam. If they'd have had the normal T-cam, you'd have been able to have a perfect shot of whether he crossed that white line or not. But because he had this stupid off-to-one-side camera, you couldn't mm. see his front wheel properly. Uh, yeah, but if that camera doesn't really exist at some point on one car, it's not a valid camera within the F1 game. That's the only <laughs> <laughs> You can't have a camera in the F1 game that's not really on a car. Interesting. <laughs> Except actually, the chase cam. <laughs> I actually quite like that camera. <laughs> I guess... I mean, I, I like being able to see sort of suspension and wing from a slightly different, more detailed angle. We, we're talking about the ones that are sort of off to the side where you can sort of see the suspension arm and... and no, it's, it's just it's, one side of the car. I or... think it, it feels like it's kind of where the halo kind of joins on the left-hand side almost. It's kind of, it's like the T-cam, mm. no, but it's lower it's up to the left. It's further up than Yeah, that. it's not it's, quite it's that sort of, It's off the side of the airbox is what it is. I guess I less yeah. have a problem with that camera specifically. It's more that if you're going to use camera angles to decide penalties then every well, car should have all the same you, camera angles you've available. Just, you've just answered... <laughs> sort of, you've just made clear to me why they didn't give the penalty. It's because they obviously can't use that camera if the yeah. other cars have got different cameras on them. Because you need to have consistency if you're going to apply a rule based on a shot. So therefore, if if that's got an alternate camera on the side of it, then they can't use that camera to apply Which regulation. Is stupid. Yeah, Just but on, yeah. all the same on, on cameras a, on the same cars. On a, on, on a legal footing, in a, on, yeah. a, on a sporting footing, if he's got a different camera setup to the other cars, then they just simply cannot apply any penalties that have been witnessed inconclusively yeah. by that camera. If you can't see that wheel going over the line from that camera, then you can't apply a penalty. Yeah, so, I, I, I think I think the thing is, is like whether it's available to broadcast or not, is redundant. I think the camera should still be there, and I agree with Chris on that. Yeah. But like, I, I, I choose, choose whichever cameras you want for the broadcast feed, and choose to only have that sort of side-mounted one rather than the the top-mounted one. That that's fine. It doesn't doesn't necessarily matter so much on the world feed. But as long as the FIA and for re- a regulations point of view have got access to yeah. all the standard cameras, they should be able to see what they need to then. You'd, you'd expect. That's the solution, isn't well, it? Well, th- so the way the cameras feed through isn't as simple as just, you know, each car only sends one feed at a time, I think. And you, yeah. you can, so uh, the the race director who's, who's watching or the onboard camera director will choose which of the cameras on each car is live at any, any moment. Mm. So while the standard camera on each car is recording the entire race. You won't always get that live feed through until the end of the race. 
Yeah, because yeah, I, I have to like that. physically take the because it literally yeah. So like the t- so you'll you'll have one of the cameras that are live and that one mm. will be will be feeding through, but like you won't get like the full data through until the end, basically. Yeah, no, that does make sense. So yeah, um, I, I mean, think it's silly that he didn't get the penalty though. I think he should. I yeah, mean, it's pretty yeah. obvious. I think really surprised me that. I think the the fortunate thing is that we don't have to deal with a situation like this all that often. No. So, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't need to change now that it has yeah. happened. It, it poses, it's not an excuse to not change things. It raises it poses a sort of wider question, which is why we're we still using these weird offset cameras on Formula One cars when mm-hmm. IndyCar have like yeah. a three sixty camera on top of well, the car, which makes things look awesome. And they were using three sixty cameras for a while actually, and they haven't for ages. Yeah, we we some we get them on the nose occasionally. Yeah, it's, but not well, in it's, the, it's not even on the nose, though. is it? It should be dead center. It's, I think they need to put in the regulations that like each car needs a dead center line camera on the top of the airbox and in the front of the nose. Mm. Because that front wing no that, that nose cam in the indie cars is awesome to watch. Yes, really. yeah, yeah. It looks really sort of you get the real sort of visceral sense of like how much movement there is in the car and how much it vibrates and how how difficult it is the cameras in formula one cars have so much stabilization on them like you just lose all of that sort of vibration and shakiness and and that bumpiness of a circuit and how how you know how hardcore it is driving a formula one car it just looks like a and people you know your wider audience who are not necessarily really big fans of formula one think they're just on on silky smooth circuits and yeah you know running around like a like a drive down to the shops every sunday when actually it's like a you know it's a hardcore like white knuckle experience driving a formula one car you just don't see that through the onboard cameras i think it does point out though that this is definitely not the first time we've compared the coverage of formula one to indycar and talked about how much better a lot of indycar's yeah, well, coverage yeah. is like how many years me and chris have banged on about this for years but how many years is it taken for us to get the picture in picture stuff yeah and they still they still don't use it as well as like aussie supercars no, and, no. and they're getting IndyCar. used to it, they, 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 i mean they're finding a the feat with it oh i know but um, it's just one of those things like it's grinded my gears for years <laughs> the fact that <laughs> that like you've you've had it in these other motorsports for so long you were smithing we've, again we've, <laughs> Um, my word smithery is on point this evening. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I think the, so. Just to, just to round that one off, Indy, IndyCar have got the advantage of um, having just basically one chassis, haven't they? Whereas all the Formula yeah. One cars, yeah, are, that is true. They're, they're all at odds with the rule book at all times, pretty much. So yeah, whatever you try you to give... make them do, they're going to argue against it. Yeah, as soon yeah. as you give them a little bit of uh, wiggle room about where they put those cameras, they're just going to. I mean, they're not going to help you make it nice for no. broadcast, are they? They're going to get it as out of the way no. as possible. Well, yeah, I mean, to a degree, they don't really care about broadcast, do they? No, they no. don't. They don't. Not, care not, not from an on, not from an onboard perspective. Nope. They, they, as long as their sponsors get seen on the outside yeah, of the exactly. car, they don't really care. So it's not yeah. even that; it's the aero. Like the, the, if they can get away yeah. with not putting a camera or some sort of bulge in the bodywork of the car, then they're going to do that. Exactly. Themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where were we? <laughs> oh, WTF. I mean, uh, is there any, any more WTFs? Any more WTFs? I've got. I'll, I'll, ve- I'll very quickly have my third rant, as promised, which is starting Q2 while there's still a crane on the outside of yeah. Turn Eight. Yeah, bit it's daft. Not good. It's just not good. Like Vettel was really angry about that after qualifying. Um, 
he said it's completely unacceptable or something along those lines, uh, which it is. Like, there's just no, there's no reason why that couldn't have delayed Q2 by a minute or two to get literally that a minute. It's, yeah, literally one yeah. or two minutes. And it's stupid. Without like dwelling too much on this, I do feel like this is the first season in maybe as long as I remember where I feel like safety has gone backwards a little bit. There's been a lot mm. of little things this year where there's been. Uh, a crane out on track here or like uh, someone getting away with the, some seatbelt things here and I, it, I don't know I I think Michael Massey could be doing a better job than he is well yeah but then you could say that or is it just the first season that where you've actually seen these things happen where actually they're happening all the time they've just been better at hiding them in the past maybe but when he comes on TV after qualifying and say, like, no, it's fine. We, we, we don't have any issue with that. Like we thought, you know, we, we felt that was a fine thing to do. If he'd have oh, come that's... out and said like, if he'd have been like, yeah, we got that wrong. But his argument was kind of like, oh, like, you know, they told us it would be out of the way in this amount of time. And so we were confident yeah. sent the cars. They were, we did. So they were worried about daylight. I think they were worried about yeah, like, they were. If, if something happens and they can't sort of, you know, if you get another two stoppages like they had in, in Q1, there were two stoppages in Q1. Um, and it was getting to a point where it's like, Ooh, are we going to run out of debt? Because yeah. remember, they're three hours ahead of us yeah. as well. So it was like, I guess, I guess the thing is, though, in the job he is in, he shouldn't be worrying about those things. He should be worrying no. about running the show and it being safe mm. and nothing else. Yeah. It lets chase Carey and everyone else worry about whether they need to you know whether we lose q3 because of the daylight or whatever like michael yeah. mass is there to make things safe and i think he's been dropping the ball it's harsh but there have been moments this season where he could be doing a better job I think. it could have been safer at times yeah i yes. think yeah. the, the, the other key one obviously the, the other key one there is the is the safety car lights in um yeah, that's another good example uh, of it. Yeah. Tus- Tuscan, Magello, Magello. We want to say yeah. this. We'll Magello, get isn't it? one day this, well, one podcast this season. We'll get that right first. Time. We seem yeah. to really struggle with that, don't we? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. because they called it t- the Tuscan Grand Prix. Stupid. It, yeah. Um. Anyway. Um. <laughs> yeah. That, that, I mean, that one categorically, he, he left the lights on the safety yeah. car on for too long, like way too long. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway. I mean. I, I think safety is always a big concern, so I'm I'm kind of happy to throw it over there. <laughs> Unless we've got others. Yeah, the other thing, just to lighten the mood again a little bit, um, having two of the flags that run way around on the podium was uh, <laughs> a little, I mean, little baffling. They did fix it quite quickly, though, that. to be fair. I watched... Oh, was it with the above the wrong drivers? Yeah, they had... That, what, right. Seb had a Mexican flag and uh, Sergio <laughs> had a German flag. <laughs> I did not know. Do you know what? I watched. I watched that, and I didn't even notice. How did I not notice? The thing is, I didn't at the time either. And um, <laughs> Sarah, my fiance, was like just kind of in the room while I was watching, and she just kind of glanced over and went, "Oh, I didn't realize he was Mexican or something." Or they were like, <laughs> "Didn't realize like a Mexican drove them." I was like, "Oh yeah, Sergio Perez." And it wasn't until I saw on Twitter afterwards that the flags were around. I was like, "Oh, you thought a Mexican guy drives for Ferrari?" I see why you were really confused by it. Now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's good. That's a good one. I think though, I, I I'd have to give it to the max penalty. It was categorically like it was mm. so clearly a penalty. Like, why not give him a penalty for it? It's stupid. Yeah, 
I think for me, it's the driving the rental cars thing around because like you said earlier, it's one of those things where when I first read it, I was like, oh yeah, good one, funny one. And then you realize, no, this is a real thing that's happening. Like, I mean, can we just can we just give it to the Turkish GP as a whole then? Because there is so much. <laughs> <laughs> it was a wild like, I mean, one. We, it was we, a wild we, one. It was a wild turkey. That's what it, exactly what it was. Wild but like, I mean, resurfing a resurfing a. I can't even talk it. I, I can't. Words <laughs> broken. You've you've used all your wordsmithing. You've used it all up. God, we're losing it. Gone. We're absolutely losing it. Ten, ten days before a race, they resurface a track. Why is that not in this list? That's bonkers, isn't it? It's true. Oh, let's, let's, let's do some takeaways. Just the whole thing can have a WTF this week. Let's do it. It's just yeah. generally a wild turkey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, turkey, turkey talk. What is there <laughs> no, to, I, mean, I guess what we've, is turkey, we've turkey talked already, haven't we? I guess yeah. so. Yeah, I mean, category like, I don't, what did you want to say, Chris? Was there was, was there something you wanted to get in on this one? I get. We sort of already covered it. It was. I just like, do we still think F one should be coming here? Do we think this race has ruined its chances or helped its chances? I, I, st- well, I still I want to see it back. I want to see it, but I would love to see them come here again. I, do I, in my heart of hearts, think after this weekend I'll be coming back? <laughs> Probably not, but we'll see. I, th- we'll see. I think even without this weekend, the chances were slim, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. We're probably going to see yeah. somewhere like Malaysia before we see Turkey again, I think. I'd, I'd like to not? see it... I'd like to see it without the craziness, just to yeah. see if it, if it actually can live up to what we're what we expected of it. Yeah, a normal traditional race, yeah. normal race would have been nice this weekend, but anyway. Yeah, just to see. So takeaways yeah. then. Takeaways, obviously, I mean, we've already mentioned it. This this podcast is replete with talk of Hamilton winning his seventh wheel title, but I think, you know, a, ta- a big takeaway is we have witnessed something really special and, yeah. you know, we're very lucky to be to be part of a generation that can, can see this happen. Because it's, I, I really yeah. don't know if it'll ever happen again. I don't think it. I don't think it will. I don't think anyone. Will. If he gets eight, that no one's beating eight. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if we. I don't know if we'll see it beaten. But... I don't know if Formula One will be around for another eight years. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, there is that. Now <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on from that. Uh, other takeaways. Tur- Turkey gave us a good. Give us some good action. The midfield battle, as we've mentioned, it's hard to do takeaways because we've literally talked about everything. Um, yeah, uh, the, the midfield battle is is just it's it's gonna. I guess it's opened up a little bit, but uh, there's still so much left on the table that it's definitely going to be one to watch until the end of the season. I think it's advantage um, racing point, but it's still far from over right now. But when you got Lance Stroll driving for you and you lose a win in such a fashion, then again, you know, they it, should be a lot further up in that in that race. I think racing point. We keep point. saying it. M- McLaren were the only team where both their drivers scored well, and they've kept yeah. themselves yeah. in the fight by doing that. Yep, exactly. exactly. They're clinging on exactly. McLaren. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's enough for takeaways this week because we've just spoke so yeah. much about everything. So let's move on that's, to predictions. That's good for me. I will run us through predictions. So um, in terms of everybody, surprisingly, nobody got Lance Stroll for fastest in Q3. What a shock! Uh, so no points for anyone in the entire competition. <laughs> yeah, imagine. There. So many people had Hamilton as a win, um, so lots of points there, us three included. Um, in terms of other points between the three of us, Stu got the correct number of finishes with 16, and we, we were all wrong with everything else. In mm-hmm. terms of 
you lot, the lovely listeners, our top scorer this week was Danny Baker with four out of five, the only person to score four. And obviously the thing that let Danny down was fastest qualifier, unsurprisingly. Um, quite a few threes, a handful of threes, um, and, and a number of people got Antonio Giovinazzi. Um, some people with good optimism as well about Charles getting fourth. I saw a lot of people going for fourth, so thanks for your optimism at least. Yeah, none of us unlike, had him anywhere near there. Unlike the three of us. Um, in terms of the standings, what that does for the standings is uh, Nathan Bailey is at the top with 26 points. Uh, Chris Mannering is tied in second with Whit Happens and Rich Garvey all on 25 points. Um, and then Alex, Alexia Jarvis is in what is technically fifth place with 24 points. So it is very, very close at the top there with three races to go. Um, in terms of us, Stu, you've gone back above me. I, I think, yeah, you've gone above yes, me. She's got two points point. this week. Yeah. So, yeah, 38th for Stu on your lonesome. You're the only person on 20.5 points. I'm unique. Uh, yeah, and I am half a point behind you, as you say, in 39th with 20 points. Chris, you are 82nd with 16 points. It's still double digits. But, I'll take that. Yeah. I mean, it's better than, it's better than some years for us three. To be to it. To not have to scroll down to see our names is is a positive on the leaderboard compared how, to how big your screen? Four <laughs> K twenty eight inch. Yeah. Oh, I knew you'd tell us. I knew you'd say. <laughs> Mate, you asked the question. I'm going to answer it. Come on. But, but more importantly, it's in portrait mode, so you can see the whole LED. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it. That's the only reason I can see all the predictions. <laughs> <laughs> um, in terms of getting involved. Um, Make sure you do. I know there's not many races left now this season, but there is always a prize if anyone does manage that five out of five. So make sure you do get involved by heading to backofthegrid.com um, and you can register if you've not already been involved yet this season and submit your predictions uh, for the next few races. Should we do some inbox, gentlemen? Yeah, yes. Let's... Uh, keep it safe now. Stay, stay up. Hey, man. Hmm. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. Um, Matt Odell says, did Stroll just lose an opportunity to silence his haters? No, because one win doth not silence a hater. <laughs> it's true. Look, um, at, look at Mr. Maldonado. Look at Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> <Well, that's laughs> <wins. laughs> yeah. I think good he's... Point. Ma- <laughs> I do think he's maybe quietened them down a little bit, but... Yeah, they're, they're, they're never going to be silent. He maybe qu- quiet, <laughs> quieted him down for 12 hours until he <laughs> went to the race. And yeah. yeah. We'll see how the next race goes. That's, that's that one. Uh, <laughs> let's, next, let's rattle through. Look, we'll rattle through these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, next, Kevin Cosgrave says, I used to do rescue in rallies, cutting open and extracting the occupants Ooh. of crashed cars. Uh, wow. Anytime I got the call, the stage would be red flagged whether I'm actually on the stage or the car went into a field beside it. Is this rule not also part of the F1 rules? I always presume this rule applies to all forms of motorsport. It wasn't that long ago when Bianchi crashed because of something similar to what happened on Saturday. Oh, God, I sent a chill down my spine, him saying yeah. that, that, that final bit there. Um, um, the short answer, I think, is no, that is not part of F1 rules. It, there's it takes a lot for there to be a red flag in F1. Um, in in practice, they're a bit keener to throw them because obviously it's not affecting uh, 
a session that means anything, but um, yeah. Well, I think if you're getting a call to extract someone from a car, then probably there would be a red flag. Yeah, it depends on point. severity, doesn't it? Um, yeah. I think, I think I th- go on. I say I think you can forgive not throwing a red flag and throwing a safety car or a virtual safety car instead when there's something at the side of the track that's going to be cleared away quickly. But starting a session knowing there is a stranded car and a tractor and stuff out there, that's yeah, it's just daft. That's yeah, there's there's no need for that at all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Stapler Bunton says, uh, now he's won seven world championships. Do you reckon Hamilton's critics will stop <laughs> claiming he's just lucky? No, because haters are going to hate. Yep. There is nothing Lewis Hamilton can do that will stop a certain percentage of people disliking I mean, him. How many people still bang on about how Schumacher only won his titles because of Ferrari, even though that argument is so redundant and beyond the point, considering he won some at Benetton? Yeah. I mean, I'm not even going to get into it any further than that, but we're talking 15 years on, more than, and people still bang on about how Schumacher only did it because of the car. Yeah. I'd love so, to see Vettel win one in another, in another car, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that'd be Based nice. That. Um, and I do, I do think it goes without getting too deep into it, I do think it goes deeper with Hamilton because he doesn't fit the mould of a traditional racing driver in a number of different ways. Um, Mm. And I think that puts a lot of people off him for whatever reason. And Mm. as a result, they they sort of translate that into um, trying to diminish his achievements. um, Yeah. it's just wrong, isn't it? To do that. Yeah, completely. Like you could have the most legitimate reasons in the world for not liking him as a person, which I mean, I would massively disagree with. But even if you do, you've still got to admit that what he's achieved is phenomenal. Um, yeah. But if yeah, he went around like, even if he went around like shouting at children for no reason, you could <laughs> you, you still can't take away like how good he is as a racing driver, can you? So no, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Um, next. Uh, Alex Taberner says, with Lewis achieving such a monumental milestone, I thought now is a great time to look at potential future champions of Formula One. Excluding Verstappen, as we know he has future greatness, Stu, Tom and Chris, that's us three, which driver (laughs) out of our current F1 or F2 crop do you see as a future championship contender? Not Stroll. Uh... (laughs) Wow. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, the first obvious ones that come to mind are yeah, Russell Leclerc, Norris. Russell Norris potentially. Yeah. Um, as for F two, um, I don't think Mick Schumacher is out of the question. Uh, I think that definitely the wheels are in motion for him to get an opportunity at being a world champion mm-hmm. in Formula One. He's probably got the biggest chance of anyone in the yeah. F two crop at the moment. And I think yeah. for, for a really left field one, uh, Yuri Vips. He's only done a few races in F2, but yeah. given that he's a Red Bull junior and what he's done in a short space of time, I think he's... he's on the brink of being legally allowed to drive an F1 car by FAA standards as well. Yes. He's also got a really good race driver name, hasn't he? It European is a good name. It sounds fast. Vips. It does. Yuri Vips. I like Yuri a good Vips. fast-sounding race driver yeah. name. Yeah. <laughs> 
mean, yeah. <laughs> Don't know what more to add to that. <laughs> Next, a couple of Verstappen-related questions will roll into one. Uh, Martin Bennett says, has Verstappen actually taken a step back mentally this season and maybe gone back to believing mm. his own hype? He made a few mistakes this weekend, which seemed to stem from impatience rather than inability. That seemed to have stopped last season. And Cornwolf says, do you think Max could have won if he was less hot-headed? He seems to be driving far too angry. Coventry were loving him about how his dad made him drive in the wets on slicks, but he didn't showcase that much. No. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's the short answer. Um, there, there was also a whole thing this weekend about how like he wasn't going to have any kind of extra padding in his uh, cockpit because like his dad made fun of him for having it or something like that. And it's like... Wow. Really? Is that how you're going <laughs> to make your decisions? Um, I don't need padding in my helmet. I've got a strong head. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm big and tough and strong. Uh, it did feel a bit Verstappen of old, didn't it, though, this weekend? Yeah. Did a bit. I mean, it's just silly mistakes, isn't it? And, and hot-headedness. I think the right in saying, like, this season, you know, that mistake that in practice in uh, Portimao, in Portugal hmm. when um, he took Stroll out of practice yeah, for no reason, <laughs> really. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Just no reason other than being Billy Big Balls and being a chest-thumpy Neanderthal. If, so, if, if there was like one word to sum up his season, I think impatience is the word, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Time, which, is, which is a shame because there was a time where we were saying, oh, it looks like he's turned that corner and he's now past all that and... Yeah, you know, like he's he's learned the better side of it, mm. but here's I think a question: still a bit of it there with them in relation to Verstappen, and probably touching on what the, the the previous question: Do we think Verstappen realistically can you see Verstappen winning a championship at Red Bull? It's it's really going to depend on how the next aero set goes, isn't it? And, that, that's and what they do with the engines as well. Yeah, actually. engines is a. A, a tricky one because they they want to start running their own engines, taking yeah. the Honda stuff and running them. Exactly. But the other teams are going to need to agree to an engine freeze, which is probably unlikely. Not going to happen. Ferrari are never going to yeah. agree to that. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. It's really hard. It's hard to see Red Bull. Like that can still build a very good race car, but their whether engine... it's championship worthy. Yeah, exactly. That's the, that's the thing. And but, whether Verstappen can keep his head for long enough through a season to achieve a championship as well. Yeah. I, I, yeah. There's I a lot of factors, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think there's as much chance of him winning a championship at Ferrari or Mercedes as he has at Red Bull. Mm. Um, and I think part of it is like Red Bull talked a lot about going into this season as real championship contenders and it became clear very early on that that wasn't going to be the case and mm. I think that's maybe I think really early on Verstappen was kind of like it seemed like he had the attitude of like what, what's the point then like I'm going to come third most weekends like yeah he'll enjoy winning from time to time but he's not really he's not really racing for anything this season is he he's going to come yeah. third we've known that since yep. the first race it seems mm. yeah very true. Um, a last one for this week. Uh, Katie O'Brien says, was it a coincidence that on one 
uh, one of the most unpredictable weekends AWS graphics were few and far between. <laughs> I think I only spotted one auto with the quality uh, with the quality one nowhere to be seen. Uh, what can machine learning actually bring to the support to the sport for the fans beyond annoying tire oh, graphics? That's a really funny question. Ooh, predictability, which nobody wants. <laughs> yeah, because so there was this new qualifying graphic they were talking up all weekend oh, where oh, apparent, they're, they're basically going to take lots of data from practice and then tell us what the order is going to be in qualifying before qualifying happens. And the fact they built it all up and then we had these are unpredictable conditions and this graphic just like mm. quietly disappeared. It's like, well, how good is your algorithm yep. if... If, if there's ever like proof that this actually has a role, it's to help us understand a mixed up practice uh, session. Yeah. And it just quietly disappeared because I guess yeah. it couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's. I hate it. I'm a yeah, graphic I... designer. I love information, I love visualizations of information. It's one of my favorite, favorite things in the world. When I get asked to do a job like that at work, I'm always super excited and I love executing that work. And. I hate this idea of having. Like, I mean, they, as a fan, I hate this uh, idea of it, of, of it being I'm, revealed to me before it actually happens. I just put a point out there: the thing that you said you enjoy is visualizing data. AWS just makes stuff up. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the AWS graphics That's is true. just made up. It's not visualization of data. They, we, me and Chris, like, I, I mean, you probably have seen it, Stu, from the conversations. But <laughs> me and Chris were talking about it at the time, like. They were just trying to, every opportunity, trying to drive this home, like, oh, this amazing graphic. Da, 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 da. Like, Rob Smedley's been involved in it. Like, I don't yeah. care who's been involved in it. Like, you'd literally just join Predictions League if it's that good. Come on, lads. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Next season, AWS just sweeps Predictions League. <laughs> yeah, five out of oh five every week. That would be amazing. <laughs> I mean, that's I the true way AWS, to prove it works. Yeah, I would love to see an AWS account on our predictions league <laughs> and see how it I'll does. Tw- we'll tweet them and yeah, say, like, if, if you're so good at the predictions, get on our predictions that's league. That's such a good idea. <laughs> um, but I, I like, on a serious note, I genuinely don't think the people doing this understand why people enjoy sport. Like, we don't watch it to see something happen that we know is going to happen or expect to happen. We watch it to see unfolding real time and for things yeah. to surprise us like yeah. don't tell people what's gonna happen like imagine yeah. if you were watching a football game and you had a little thing in the corner saying <laughs> likelihood of goal 42 percent like it's <laughs> just stupid yeah do you know do you know why they don't do that in football because it's impossible to predict it in such a fashion that's the thing is well, so is formula one though so is formula one that- yeah, that's the kind of the point I was making. It's yeah. like it's too unpredictable. Like, I mean, I I'm, I enjoy data and looking back at data as much as the next person to like see patterns in things and all that stuff. But like I said, that there's some of the stuff that they put on screen is not that is not what it is. It's just fantasy. <laughs> um, yeah, like I made the point over the weekend online, like. One of the all-time classic races that you always see brought up is uh, the British Grand Prix in 87 where Mansell mm. chased down PK and passed him with like two or three laps to go. And even now when you know the result, that's really exciting to watch because you can visually see the gap coming down, but you can't tell mm. if it's coming down fast enough. You can't tell how quickly he's going to catch him. And if he does catch him, or like how good a chance you're going to have of actually able to pass him. Imagine if that had a thing at the bottom of the screen saying like striking distance in four laps, like it yeah. adds nothing to the show. And if 
if it did add something to the show, we wouldn't enjoy watching these older things as much as we do. It, yeah. It's just stupid. It's That's just stupid. Just stupid. And just like this verdict. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 80% of the time, as AWS graphics will provide statistically. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, if they could now run that... an algorithm through like how what percentage <laughs> of stupidity we could fit into each <laughs> pr- podcast and predict it for the next episode based on yeah. the previous however many, I wonder what the result would be. But I think and then, that's on, and then on top to of it. all of it... Oh, no, Chris, I'm trying to round oh, it into no, a positive, no. Chris. Stop oh. it, Chris. Stop it stop, now. Stop. Go on, go on. You've stop started. It. You might as well. No, go on. He's gonna he's gonna talk about the adverts or something. I know he is. Well, they, oh god, there's that new stupid advert. Yeah, but like the whole the whole <laughs> oh thing is god, clearly there. To... Look at what you've done, Tom. <laughs> the whole thing exists to advertise Amazon Web Services. Who's watching Formula One going, Oh, I think I'll pop out to get myself some Amazon Web Services? Like Yeah, yeah, will pop down the shops. If you were yeah. some Amazon Web Services. If you work in a business grapes. that needs that service, you'll get it. If you don't, then uh, I'll, I'll stop. Yeah. I'll stop. I'll to stop be it. fair to Amazon mm. Web Services, the thing they actually do, which is provide web services, this they're really good at it. So <laughs> yeah. don't don't like. It's true. You know, don't I hate mean, them. I I said this before, and that advert just very briefly proves it. When you look at the actual list of people that use Amazon Web Services aside from F1, it shows how good the service actually is. It's just annoying yeah. how much it, it gets rammed it, down your throat in F1. Yeah, it's a bit of a flex, isn't it? It's a bit of a yeah. uh, you know like. We've spent some money sponsoring Formula One. We want to get our money's worth. That's basically what it is, yeah. guys. Right. Yep. I think right, that's a good that one to end on. Take us home, yeah, Tom. It is. If if you want to <laughs> rant, if you want to trigger Chris about and tweet <laughs> us about AWS things, just send lots of <laughs> AWS related content to at Back of the Grid F one on Twitter. Um, yeah. Send Instagram messages. TNM Chris on oh, Twitter. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you want to do it directly, yeah. if you want to really annoy Chris directly, yeah. <laughs> um, if you want to annoy him via Instagram, it's at Back of the Grid. And if you want to annoy him via Facebook, it's facebook.com slash Back of the Grid. Um, you can also head to Back of the Grid.com and fill in the contact us form. Uh, just put in the subject Chris slash AWS, and then you'll know that. <laughs> Yeah. That is aimed at him. I hate you. Thank you. The temptation to read your address <laughs> out live on this podcast <laughs> is almost overwhelming. I mean, but I won't. I am I am so excited to get loads of AWS crap to address you with next week. <laughs> so we'll leave it at that though. Thank you very much for everyone who's joined us and we'll be back next week to preview a weekend in Bahrain. See you all later. Bye everyone. Bye. Bye.